Cinema since 2007. Listener discretion is advised. Everybody and welcome to episode 274 of Bloody Good Horror. My name's Eric, and I'll be your host for this evening, where we will be discussing. God damn it! What's the name of this movie? <laughs> the World's End. Right. Yeah, we'll just we'll just keep this take. I'm gonna call that a winner right there. And uh, there you go, folks. That's our preview for how this show is gonna. That's go. right. I just finished watching the movie, you. But you know what happened is we had the like had this other discussion about other similar films, and now I'm, I'm gonna blame Charlie. Is basically what I'm trying to say. You can, you're welcome to. I understand. Yeah. Joining me tonight on the show. First up, we got a little bit of a light cast tonight. First up, joining me, his name is Casey. Hello, Casey. Recording live from somewhere in Indiana. Yes. Yes. The Arctic waste. If you uh, want to listen to people cry about it on Facebook. Yeah. Holy God, is it as bad as where you are? As it is in Kentucky, man. It's going to be three degrees tomorrow morning when I go on my run. Oh. Yeah, that's too. I, I think the coldest that I've ever gone out on a run was probably about 18 or 19 degrees. That was about where I... Because at that point, when I'm breathing in air, it feels like it's freezing my lungs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've done single digits once that I know about. So I'm going to try it. I'm not guaranteeing how well it's going to go. Just take it take it easy there, big guy. Don't don't uh, push yourself too far. You know what I mean? Yeah. I've been running all week. It'll we don't, right. don't want to lose you. Maybe text <laughs> us afterwards. Just let us know. Yeah, let us know you're okay. <laughs> Next up on the show, he's the fanciest of fancy, the Scrooge McDuck of Bloody Good Horror. His name is John Schnars. Hello? Hi. I was actually trying to think of a Scrooge McDuck noise, and I just... Mm, John, how was your rich, waspy Christmas? Christmas? Oh, In Thanksgiving. the future, it will be amazing. Thanksgiving. Um, my Thanksgiving was fabulous. Um, didn't I think I, I podcasted from my parents-in-law's house. Yes, that's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. From I, his Lands End catalog, I just wanted to hear more affluence porn. That's all. I don't know if anyone's heard that episode yet, but they, oh, all the yeah, episodes yeah, are sure. out, my friend. I'll send you some. It's I'll a banner day. Like some, Not only have I gotten all the episodes oh, out, wow. but I watched the movie. It, it is incredible. I mean, it's a day to start the new year off right. That's right. Yeah, when things come together like this, who would have thought? I almost Notice that I'm saying that we're going to start the new year off right because he probably won't get it out till after the new year. Come on, hey, I'm, get, I'm getting better. I almost didn't watch the movie, and then I did watch the movie, but got like the last third that was not working, so I had to try again, and it was a whole thing. But we got it in. Golly. Um, yeah. So, oh, last up tonight on the show, joining us, Charlie. What's up? How's it going, guys? Good. How are you doing, Charlie? I am wonderful. Like Casey, I am in the middle of the uh, Midwestern cold 
apocalypse right now. And uh, like he said, literally everyone is doing nothing but talk about it on Facebook, Twitter, then, you know, the news. It's it feels like we're in Armageddon down here. Yeah. yeah and buying French toast supplies. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Milk, bread, eggs. Uh, Charlie, at least you are the size of a Yeti. So that will probably help you <laughs> deal with the true. weather. I've actually been shot three times so far. <laughs> generally that happens, you know, this is about, this is about average for the year. So I'm actually ahead of schedule. Um, so most of the time, you know, when the summer comes around, if I wear anything that's gray or anything like that, right. I'm getting shot. There's you no should question. invest in one of those orange vests that the hunters wear. That's really a good idea. You could be identified. Just wear it all the time over whatever. See, Eric, the problem is they don't make that in my size, so I just have to get a tarp. Right. And in that case, you know, that's just you're just spending for you're just paying <laughs> just you know, footage right there. That's just <laughs> ridiculous. Uh, so as I mentioned, we're here tonight to discuss the world's end. This is one that we uh were gonna review when it came out in theaters, but missed it. I think there was actually another more horry uh movie that came out that week. If I, think I can it was your next? Wasn't it your next or something yeah, like that? Some, been. Something like that. Yeah. I remember there being a, a specific reason why we skipped it. I know Schnars was super bummed. Yeah, it yeah. still hurts that you made me skip this for your next, you know. This Dude, so your not... next was great. I no, loved your next. Too. You didn't uh, like um, your next, Casey? No. Oh, it was so oh, good. Well, here's the thing, though, is you've seen it, though, now. So you can, ha- you can have it under your belt. Whereas if you had gone and seen this opening weekend, you probably never would have seen your next. Think about it that way. I would have been okay with that, though, having it <laughs> back in hindsight. Well, we are watching this. I know Schnars and Casey both really wanted to see it for the show. Uh, it is, you know, if I get to do Ripped on DVD, I think it's fair that, that they get to uh, make us watch your next. So, um, Mark is out tonight. Joe is out tonight. Joe has fancy whatever he does work that he's got to stay for. Yeah, called a day job. Yeah. Schnars, you know what I would like How to know? How dare he? Yes. Well, what I'd like to do right now is ask you a totally unprompted question that you have no um, prep for. But I would, I, as a horror fan, I would love to be back in a movie theater. Does anybody have any idea when I can do that, possibly? Well, uh, there was the movie you just, we were kind of bouncing around today. Um, what the hell Seventh was it? Seventh Son? Seventh Son and I Frankenstein uh, come out pretty soon. I uh, Frankenstein, what? Yeah, I, is that That's a theatrical? Really yeah, it's Aaron Eckhart. Of course, it's theatrical. Uh, yeah. Seventh Son's coming. The other one is coming is uh, 44, 47 Ronin. 47 Ronin. That's the one oh, that I was God. discussing that I think uh, we should do because I saw a trailer for it, and it looks absolutely bonkers. I'm actually all for that because I love me some samurai flicks, and that's you know fairly I kind of just so. love that. Like, Yeah, it's samurai, but it's Keanu Reeves for some reason, and then yeah. – I really didn't give it much thought, but then I saw the full trailer, and there's some weird-looking monsters in it and just yeah. wacky shit going on. So you know, I was talking to my wife about it this weekend because uh, they released 47 Ronin over in Japan over the weekend, and they're already calling it a flop because it's not going doing well over there. And I told my wife, huh. well, of course, of course it's, it's not, not doing good yeah. in Japan. It's Keanu Reeves as a samurai. <laughs> Why are the Japanese going to like that? Right, exactly. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, and not only that, I mean, I think it's it feels like it's one of those movies where the only reason it was able to get made, at least in America, was because they were like, uh, we're going to fill this entire cast out with Asians, and then we're just going to pe- put Keanu Reeves in the middle, like, just to <laughs> hang out and, you know, look pretty for the trailers, yeah. and that's it. That's the only reason he's there, is well, just to get butts I, and seats. Yeah, same reason why Schnars is here. You know, I'm, I'm curious, listen, <laughs> That dude that's in the trailers that's all tattooed up like a skeleton with this like skull face and everything. There's yeah, a- I, actually, 
I is that guy, that guy real? Yeah, he. Um, so uh, true story. He was discovered in a uh, Lady Gaga video, um, and has kind of like gotten more and more work. Or, or maybe he was discovered by Lady Gaga, and then she put him yeah. in a video. Something like that. I knew him from B, the BME zine with, with all the body mods and t- tattoos and stuff. The website. Mm-hmm. I knew him from I'm there. I'm not familiar with that website, but I will take your word. Yeah, he's done a couple other commercials. Like uh, there was a commercial that that got a lot of play on YouTube. I know um, that he did for I think it's called Derma Blend, and it's like it's it's actually a cool video. You see him, and he's like he looks just kind of like a normal person, but his skin tone is really weird. Derma and Blend then, just sounds gross. Well, what it they do, it's, it's like a it's like a cover up, and what they do is they like start rubbing him. Like it's like you gotta see the video. It sounds so. Weird. Actually, when you said Derma Blend, I just pictured skin in a blender. <laughs> well, no, but what it is is it's it's like That's really extreme cover up that people can use to cover <laughs> tattoos for like movies. Right, and if right, you have like right. a job interview, if you're Mark and you don't want people to know you're like weirdly obsessed with uh, gremlins. Oh. Yeah, don't forget he's got a giant gizmo tattoo. <laughs> or gremlins. Right. Yeah, I was, yeah, I forgot about that. Charlie, too. good luck uh, getting that image out of yeah, your head. Yeah, so in any event, he's awful, in that. I, I, I so saw him. <laughs> um, no, but Eric, I, to answer your original question, we are now only three weeks away from the release of Paranormal Activity colon The Marked Ones. Oh my God. Now, this is the, just to be clear, this is the Latino spinoff. Is that right? Yeah, I think so. Do you think they're done with numbered paraformal activities and stuff? I don't think. I think there's one that was slated to come out this year. And so you think this, so that you think they'll rack up five for the next one? I just wonder if it just is even just smarter for them to go all subtitles at this point. It feels Uh, like they might do the old, uh, what Saw did, where they got to like, you know, Saw six or whatever. And then the last one was just like, wasn't it Saw the final chapter or something like that? Like they just kind of, I feel like they're going to kind of check Set out. The so. last one may have been saw. Yeah. Something or other. Yeah. Cause it doesn't feel like it has that many legs left to stand on really. I mean, I know they can make, you know, make it for seven cents and, you know, bring in like, you know, $10 million and they're still making money, but it just, does anyone really want to see that many more of these? Well, after three, <laughs> I mean, you know, after three, I was super excited cause three is great. Three's great and then yeah. I was like, Oh, you know what? I'll watch one of these every year. And then four came out and it was a horrid, acrid yeah. piece of shit. Shit Just, on that idea. Yeah, really. The only redeeming shit. factor in four was potato chip dad. Yeah. <laughs> uh, rest rest uh, in yeah. peace. We need a Rosencrantz and Guildenstern of Paranormal Activity right. with just the dads just yeah. dying in terrible ways. So, I don't know, Schnars. What do you think the next straight-up horror movie is, though, that well, is theatrical? That's my question. I mean, par- Paranormal Activity is the next So that's, one. what, January? It's Jan 3, yeah. Jan 3? Is that what you, is that what you call <laughs> yeah, it? Jan, Jan 3, yeah. Jan 3. Uh, then we also have a film called Devil's Due, hmm. which I've never heard of. And that's D-U-E, not D-E-W, Eric. Uh, just, you know... Why would I think it was that? Like mountain? I don't know. Like because yeah. they're homonyms. Yeah. Come on. All right. All right. Now you're just using big words. Uh. <laughs> and then I Frankenstein is January twenty fourth. So oh, that's gonna be a stinker. I'm predicting it now. Oh, Eric, have you seen that trailer? No, I have not. It's you're like, gonna like it. I think you're gonna like it because it's right on the uh, up the Resident Evil. I think it's even got rain backbone. fights. It totally has rain fights with All gargoyles. Right. It has uh, gargoyle rain fights. Oh, is this like there's? It's a Frankenstein army sort of thing, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I I don't need to know anymore. I'm pretty psyched for that. 
You had me. That and Seventh Son have me totally bought in for those cheesy beginning of the year action movies. Charlie, you can answer my question. I was curious when when is uh the world's greatest series capper, Resident Evil Six, coming out? Ah, I t- you know, I think it was... Because it was originally, like, they had originally slated it for this fall, and then it got pushed to, I thought, winter sometime, but I don't know. I thought, I think it was, like, I think they bumped it to, like, uh, the summer sometime, because I was going over... Oh, uh, man. The, uh... <laughs> the, uh 2014, because 2014's kind of blossomed into this insanely good year for just movies and genre movies in general with, like, huh. you know, Godzilla with the trailer that just oh came out. Oh, my God. Edge of Tomorrow yeah. just came out today. Like when Brian, Cran- I didn't, so I don't know anything about this Godzilla movie. And you know, I'm, we're we're all just coming off our, you know, our own like Breaking Bad love affairs. And when Brian Cran, in the middle of that amazing trailer, and then I see Brian Cranston, I almost shit my pants. <laughs> I was like, get the fuck out of here! Yeah, it's like you it's, they just it, got an all star cast. You stop being so awesome. Yeah. And Makes they got sense. kick ass in it, and they got uh, what's her? They got the both the kids that are going to be in the new Avengers movies. Um, uh, the guy from Kick Ass and the uh, Elizabeth Olsen are both in it. So uh, yeah, no, that I was kind of as this weekend. By the way, that was good stuff. Oh, cool. Um, <laughs> yeah, as I was watching this Godzilla trailer, that's kind of what I mean. The tension is great, and they sort of do they do it right. You know what I mean? They're hiding him and they're building that up. And then all of a sudden I'm seeing all these actors that I recognize that are really talented. I probably read a story about this a while ago and just kind of blocked it out. But now that I'm seeing it all kind of put together, man, I mean, I don't, I don't think there was any nerd in the internet that wasn't losing their shit oh, yeah. over that. The other yeah. day. So what Plus, was the uh, music they were playing when they uh, were showing the halo drop as the guys, the soldiers came out of that first bank of clouds and they had that pullback shot with the smoke dude, and stuff. Was, yeah. It was so awesome. I don't know, but yeah, that song was great. I've heard it somewhere and I wouldn't I think it was in video games and I can't place it. Hmm. It, it really does. It almost feels like God of war in a way, like the way, like they, they, they pull back yeah. on that scale and like, you know, they've got, the cloud looks like everything's been nuked. It looks like the entire world has been nuked. I thought, and, you know, I kind of thought Cloverfield a bunch, but yeah. in a good way, because I think Cloverfield did that giant monster movie exactly the way, not, you know, but in the right way. Um, but and to answer way. your question, Eric, Resident Evil Afterbirth. Shut the no. fuck up. It is not called Afterbirth. According to Rotten Tomatoes, it is like, like a Like a placenta? Like afterbirth, oh, yes. Like, like, God. yes. Like, like the thing hippies eat? <laughs> yep, exactly. Yeah. Like, let's throw it, uh, put yeah. another placenta on the Barbie. You know let's... what? I might as well just thank whoever came up with that because that just means months of jokes for us. So, mm-hmm. oh my God. That's. So, thank you, sir. <laughs> Can't wait to see the afterbirth. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> that's a nightmare. Has oh, anyone God. seen anything about this movie Devils Do, though? I've never I've heard, not of even heard of it. John, yeah, I haven't even heard of it either. There's a samurai movie with Keanu Reeves coming out, a Godzilla movie with Brian Cranston, a Frankenstein army movie, and a Latino paranormal activity. And you're asking me about yeah, this movie that no I'm asking heard. about the one thing I don't know anything about. I think about. I have all the information that I need, sir. <laughs> Very good. Very good. No, but seriously, if anybody has information, please email us. And uh, if Andy's curious, we also have on January 2nd, Interior Leather Bar. <laughs> I have no idea what that is, but I feel like that's up his alley. I was just going to say, Andy's curious about everything, so yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, that was, man, I'm all excited now. Charlie got me all hot and bothered. That's what I'm here for. All these movies to look forward to. Um, all right, guys, speaking of hot and bothered, let's take a quick break here and discuss The World's End. 
statistical fact, cops will never pull over a man with a huge bong in his car. Hey, this is Eli Lucas, drummer for Hatchet. Check out our new album, Dawn of the End, on The End Records. And you're listening to Bloody Good Horror. This is it, Jennifer. Your big break in TV. Fuck the prime time, bitch. John Schnars. Yes, sir. Are you sexually aroused right now? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, listen, I wanted to see this movie, but you make it sound like I was like kind of like, you know, wetting myself at the opportunity. Like, I didn't I mean about like, the movie. I, I'm just asking you a general question about your state at the moment. Oh, yeah. No, they're not really. Okay. Well, that's, that's a disappointment. But let's try to turn that around with mm-hmm. the word yeah, of the day. Today's word, via uh, Mr. Charlie over here, uh, is multiple discovery. The concept of multiple discovery is the hypothesis that most scientific discoveries and inventions are made independently and more or less simultaneously by multiple scientists and inventors. Uh, It's sort of, it's an idea that flies in the face of this sort of, uh, the narrative I think that is usually told about inventions and scientific discoveries where we recognize one person for having done something when the reality is that a lot of folks who are working in the same general area um, tend to come up with uh, similar or in fact identical ideas at the same time. Um, So yeah. Charlie, why do you want to talk about why you suggested this or do we want to wait until uh, we get there? No, you can go ahead. Sure, sure. Uh, well, I uh, I'd suggested this, uh, you know, ever since this has co- this had come out. There's been in the past kind of you know three years or so uh, a kind of a, a, a swarm of movies that are kind of similar in the same vein to The World's End, and uh, we kind of uh, spitballed a few of them earlier in uh, Hot Tub Time Machine, most uh, specifically uh, The Watch uh, and the it's uh, This Is the End, the one with James Franco, Seth Rogen, and that whole crew. Yeah. Where there's this kind of uh, adult man baby, you know, kind of crew that has issues to work out, and they they do it with a they go back to relive their glory years in a certain respect, or they kind of reconnect in some some way, and they do it with some fantastical sci-fi or supernatural element involved, and. All these movies have kind of come around since I think the Hot Tub Time Machine was the first one to hit in 2010. Uh, but ever since then, they've kind of all clustered around uh, the past two years. And it's interesting when you look at there's so many similarities, but at the same time, each one is individually distinct um, in, in its own respect. But I thought it was really compelling to talk about, and especially if you break down the direct plots of Hot Tub Time Machine and The World's End, yeah. uh, the specific plot points are like eerily similar. Do you think there's and, any predecessor, you know, earlier films, maybe in the 80s or 90s that do the same thing? Or do you think this is a, would you perceive this to be a new sort of thing? Well, there's two, I think there's two methods of thought with that because like sometimes they'll have, you know, you'll have an Armageddon deep impact situation where it feels like they're just trying to get the same concept out at the same time or Olympus has fallen and White House down where it's just kind of a race between two studios with a simple, stupid idea basically. But I can't think of any other real precedent where 
movies are so similar. I mean, I think it has to be, there's got to be something with the cultural zeitgeist, right? Because yeah. the 2012 was the Mayan thing. And I think that really may have seeped into a lot of screenwriters subconscious or just ideas when they're writing. Cause around this time, this is when these movies would have been written for the past three or four years. Um, now granted, some people might argue because I think Edgar Wright said he wrote, the original draft of this in like 1992, uh, but it was like a basic. <laughs> yeah, but basic even idea. in the early 90s, people were aware of and thinking about the idea of the year 2000. Yeah, um, you know, yeah. it was that's probably pre, obviously, like Y2K, well, but I, I still think it was a big deal in the conscious consciousness. I, I, think, I mean, I think it's just a it, it, it's more in my mind. It's more generally just an example of uh, some of the the like genre cycle stuff that we've talked about. I mean, a lot on the show in the past, it hasn't come up um, a ton recently, but it's just the idea that um, these artists like are operating in a sort of continuum or or continual conversation with one another, um, with the past, with uh, other things that are coming out or that they're seeing in, in culture. And I think you're, I think you're right. Like 2012 and, and the, the, sort of cultural moment around the the uh, apocalypse. As, as stupid but, as that was. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, but obviously. I, I think, actually, though, the apocalypse part is not really the most important part of the equation. I think what Charlie mentions about sort of a cultural thing is also really an application to the, the, these characters in these movies. Um, sure. I think are very indicative of our generation, like Gen Y, um, if that's still a thing. I mean, yes and no, right? Like, I... Because in a lot of ways, this movie shares probably a lot of similarities with something like Bachelor Party, right? No, no, no. But but specifically though, like the whole I, the whole idea of the sort of man baby, I think is a pretty current modern thing. Yeah, and starting th- with the Judd Apatow stuff, basically. right? Because I think a lot of people in our generation. So I'm 31, right? So in this kind of general area, a lot of people are putting off responsibility until later than life, at least compared to our parents, right? Like my parents had kids when they were like 19, 20 years old. Uh, I don't have any kids right now. Uh, so, and I think that's happening more. You have this sort of, so because these life things are being pushed off, I think in some people, in a lot of cases, it creates a little bit of a sort of existential uneasiness because you're kind of blazing a new path. You're living life a different way than your parents did. Um, and I think especially like a film. So I think, a film like Hot Tub Time Machine, a film like this, these sort of man-baby characters stuck in their youth, I think is something that gets to the heart of of a, of a very strong element of our generation. Well, but I, let me, I mean, have any of you guys seen the movie Stripes? Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, good like, point. Yeah. I mean, every one of those movies was like Bill Murray. Well, I'm not saying it's unique being... to our generation at all. But when you have all these movies, and it's not just these particular films mm-hmm. that these characters are are prevalent in um i think you do yeah. have a lot of that going around I, I guess, well, it's it, it's a safe assumption too though that any group of friends is going to have somebody that they like that that they've all worried about and cared for and in a lot of cases probably gave up on that was going through that whole thing that got stuck to their childhood uh to the extreme yeah so i think it's easy for them to identify too especially nowadays when things like drugs and alcohol are far more prevalent than they I know alcohol's always been a long time problem stuff like that but they seem like they're far more accessible accessible than they were in the past and whatnot so I think that's makes it a little more prevalent too 
Well, they 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 nail that in Hot Tub Time Machine, right? When they go when um, uh, Rob Corddry's in the hospital and they go to visit him, and the the hospital dude's like, "Is he your friend?" and and he's like, "Well, it's like he's the asshole, but he's our asshole." Yeah, <laughs> like exactly. that. Just yeah, that nails that. We should get on to this movie though. Um, generally, Schnars, you want to um, give a quick synopsis? We kind of did, but uh, you want to just tell us what yeah. it's about, and then we'll uh, we'll go should... around the old table. Yeah, let me make sure I have like the names correct here. So we've got uh, the, the movie sort of centers around. I mean, it, it centers around five friends. Uh, they are Gary, Andy, Stephen, Peter, and Oliver. Um, they the this more or less main character here is uh, the Simon Pegg character, and he is he's living. Uh, in a pretty poor state when we see him as an adult, um, and he uh, he's got he's in like AA or, or NA or some of some kind, um, just clearly banged up, kind of living at the at the edge, so to speak. And um, what we know, and we'd seen sort of an earlier flashback, is that he was kind of the ringleader of this group of friends. His name was Gary King, called himself the King things like that, uh, and really act as the centerpiece of this this group of five friends in their small town in, in the UK. And um, he decides, uh, I can't even remember exactly what happens, he, he sort of like has a run in uh, with something, and, and decides that they're going to go back to their hometown to try to recreate this one night from their teenage years where they try to do this epic bar crawl, bar crawl called the Golden Mile where you stop at 12 different pubs uh, throughout the town and and have a pint in every one. Um, and they didn't finish it the first time and it's like one of the like you know sort of um, uh, sort of like regrets of his life and and he doesn't explicitly say it but um, he's he clearly is trying to to kind of recapture some glory even in a sort of decrepit state that he finds himself in so he he more or less convinces and in one in some cases tricks his friends into joining <laughs> him um, and they, they go on this bar crawl and begin to sort of uh, relive a lot of the past and and kind of revisit a lot of the the problems that they had um, and and the, the reasons that they've fallen out of touch with one another um, and during this they also come to suspect that their town has been taken over uh, by robots and that much of the townspeople have been replaced with robots um, there's a lot of reasons for that but it, it becomes more and more obvious as as they kind of go and so it, it's you have this uh, sort of ridiculous plot line where they've decided that the only way that they can survive is to keep up the ruse of being on this pub crawl so as not to tip off the robots that they know what's going on. Um, so they're sort of getting more drunk while also trying to unravel <laughs> the, the mystery of the robots. Um, robot, for anyone who's curious, uh, comes from the word for slave, according to the movie. I actually should have verified that before. Maybe we could have done that. According to the movie, yeah, it was, yes. It's, yeah, Yeah, exactly. That's all you have to say. That's all you got to do to cover yourself legally. (laughs) It it was a pretty good joke. You don't want to offend any robots out there, so. Uh, All right. That's the broad strokes, right? Like, I don't know how much. Beep, boop, you asshole. Beep, boop. Uh, Charlie. Yes. What did you think of The World's End? Well, uh, the world's end. Uh, this is like the 
sixth or seventh time I've think I've seen this. I think um, I, I watched it uh, as soon as it came out. You know, I was at a midnight screening. I I, I adore uh, all the work of Peg Wright, Frost, all those guys. Uh, everything from Space in their early days to you know all the stuff that they're they're up on now uh, with Sean Hot Fuzz and, and and such. So I was exceedingly anticipating this movie when it came out in the theater. Uh, saw it twice in the theater. Purchased it on Blu-ray, the whole nine yards. So uh, I was definitely uh, excited to you know having seen this uh, multiple times to talk about it today um i i enjoy the movie for for certain i definitely have uh some issues you know with it throughout uh with different uh spots that are, you know, uh, particularly more, uh, I guess, problematic than others. But overall, you know, this is definitely something that I really enjoyed. It's not quite uh, uh, in the same ballpark for me as the first two of the quote-unquote Cornetto trilogy or Blood and Ice Cream trilogy or however you'd like to uh, address uh, the, you know, Peg Wright Frost uh, trio. Um, but it's definitely something that I was really excited to talk about with you guys because it's, it's, you know, they're some of my favorite flicks. All right, Casey. I, well, let's see. Going into this movie, I absolutely love Simon Pegg and Nick Frost and Edgar Wright's movies. I, I think they were great. I missed this in theaters, unfortunately. So I've been looking forward to this. I thought Shaun of the Dead was great. I loved Hot Fuzz. This one, I was a little worried. Not that I don't have faith in these guys. I was a little worried, though, that they, that, their formula would start to show through after three movies doing this stuff. I'll go into add two that I loved, even though it wasn't an Edgar Wright movie. I absolutely loved uh, the movie Paul too with Simon Pegg and Nick uh, Frost. I thought that was great yeah, too. I wanted to see that. This one, I was afraid it was going to start showing that their you know formula would start showing through a little bit or something like that. So I wasn't. I knew I'd end up enjoying it, but I was afraid it might not be as good as the other ones did. But by the time I got to the end of this movie, I was pretty uh fascinated with it i thought it was pretty great parts of it were touching it was you know uh it was just pretty good all around it was sad and all sorts of stuff so all right how's your dog sad <laughs> yeah, dad that is my daughter actually i'm gonna have to go deal with wow. that Stop. What? It puts the lotion on its skin. Do you yeah, take, the I want to take her to a doctor that's the <laughs> daughter playing with the dog <laughs> um schnars yeah, I mean, I, as as everyone has alluded to, I came into this with pretty high expectations. I mean, that being said, um, I, I I wasn't expecting it to be as funny. Or, like, the bar was just so high that I was, like, trying to dial it back, back a little bit. Um, I guess I would say, like, long story short, I really, really ended up enjoying this. Um my my major problems were that I felt like it it was just too long and it it kind of ran uh, long where it probably didn't need to. They could have uh, trimmed um, some of the stuff, especially early on, and gotten to a little bit more of the action, um, or, or really just tightened up some of the some of the narrative elements. Um, but that being said, like I was bought in. I, the acting is all really fantastic. It's like sort of what you expect when you see the folks that are in these movies. Um, and so I enjoyed it. It was, it was just ridiculous enough that I was happy with the amount of ridiculousness. Um, it probably could have even gone a little bit more over the top than it did at times, but, um, yeah, I don't know. It was, it was weird. It was, it was definitely sort of a slightly different tone than I was expecting. And I think as Casey sort of alluded to it, it ends up having a really strong emotional center to it. Mm. That, that is, um, probably again, more than I was expecting it to have. Sure. 
Yeah, I actually kind of balance you guys out well um, on this one in the sense that I had no expectations because I literally saw Shaun of the Dead for the first time last year. Holy shit, dude. So it is, wow. that would make it 2012. <laughs> I knew it was there. <laughs> I maybe even owned it on DVD somewhere and I just never watched it. And I actually, um, yeah, I don't know. I watched it and I was like, oh yeah, this is pretty good. <laughs> but I don't know. <laughs> it just was not was not ever something I was that concerned with. And even now I dig it. I don't, I'm not obsessed with it, um, but it's a good flick. I've never seen Hot Fuzz. Oh. I literally, until I sat down to watch this, wasn't even, probably didn't even know what we were doing for the show. So I had a pretty fresh uh, view on it going in. And uh, I agree with pretty much everything Shinar said. I really liked it. I thought, uh, you know, I thought for me, what made me like it the most is that emotional core and that story of these four friends who are now, you know, uh, let's say 40, in their 40s, early 40s, whatever. Um, who have grown apart. And I think it's the same reason why I love movies like Hot Tub Time Machine. I think that uh, as you get older, this is a story that, you know, males of a certain age can relate to. And it's done really well and feels really genuine. And that's what's key to it. And the funny thing is, the first maybe half an hour, 40 minutes of this movie is all that story with none of the genre stuff. And And the film literally takes a hard turn at one point where there's a single moment where the movie turns into what, it really is kind of reveals itself. But before that, I was kind of thinking to myself, I could totally watch this poignant comedy about all these friends reconnecting. You know what I mean? And I think for me, that's like was proof that that stuff worked for, for me anyway. Oh, uh, yeah. And then it t- to the point where when the genre stuff kicked in, it was a little, it took me a minute to kind of rejigger myself. You know what I mean? And be, <laughs> and get back into that part of it. Cause it's so different. It happens so fast, but they do a really good job of then continuing those threads throughout the movie all the way really till the very end. Um, I like I, I like Fr- Frost. That's the director's last name. No, right, uh, Edgar Wright. Edgar, Edgar Wright. Sorry. Oh my God, people at home are losing their shit. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> uh, I like his movies because they have a uniquely British feel to them. Um, and it may not be a British thing, but just, just foreign, they, they feel different from American films and Schnars, it's some of the stuff you mentioned, but like, yeah, okay. Like sometimes they're a little too long. Some of the jokes, maybe I would have cut out, but they, these films have this feeling like there wasn't a lot of outside tinkering and they just sort of went with whatever felt right Mm -hmm. to them at the moment. And sometimes in hindsight, that might seem, it might make it feel a little long in the tooth or a little cheesy at times, but, uh, but it's also for me the quality that makes these films really endearing um, because they have that 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 personality to them that a lot of Hollywood comedies get cut out. Well, I think the biggest thing for me, the personality that they have that a lot of Hollywood ones come out is just characters. They go really deep on their characters yeah. and give you really well-rounded ones. Where the Hollywood Hollywood ones, you get arc you get archetypes and stereotypes. Yeah, and uh, I hadn't. I guess I hadn't ever really thought about it, but um, Simon Pegg is really good, you guys. <laughs> oh, he's the best, man. You know, and it's it strikes me, and he probably has done this stuff, and I haven't seen it, but it's it, this film. He struck me as being someone who has a lot of range. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I've seen him in Star Trek, but I can't think of something serious that I've seen him in. But I feel like I would love to see him do a sort of tragically comic role. Well, uh, he's done everything. You know, he's got a, a really 
Uh, he may have that. Yeah, because he's, I mean, everything from like, you know, he did Shaun of the Dead, he did uh, Hot Fuzz, uh, specifically Spaced is really where some of his best, or, I yeah. mean, even though it's early, he did some incredible dramatic stuff in there towards the, in the second season, especially towards yeah. the ending of that series. And then ever since then, you know, he's had a few, you know, there's a Run Fat Boy Run, uh, which he's okay. He's, he's, he's the best thing in it. Um, but I that's forgot he was in Band of Brothers too. Actually, yeah. you guys, so oh, you guys yeah. are gonna, you guys are gonna kill me when this movie came out uh, last was it earlier this year. He came to my station on a press tour. Oh my god! And I saw yeah, him, but I like I didn't introduce myself. You know, I didn't and, say. Yeah. You could say I love Shaun of the Dead. Yeah. No, I I think I had seen it at that point, but I also don't. I don't know. It's a, I don't like. Other people come through, and I don't like introducing myself to them. But yeah. um, no, I mean he's—I've been within twenty feet of Simon Pegg. I just want you guys to know that. Like, I think at this point, he's—it's he, not that he's been typecast, but he definitely has—he's the first guy at the top of the list when they need sort of the sidekick, sidekick who's a little nerdy, you know, the guy who can act, Quirky. but can yeah, but can carry some of the comedy in like these action. I mean, he was in Mission Impossible Three. Oh, okay. Uh, He's in Star Trek, as you mentioned. Like Star, he can, yes, Star Trek. Yeah, he can cover those things. Um, and then when he gets leading man roles, they tend to be of the like kind of nerdy doofus. I mean, it, it dates all the way back to space to a certain extent, right? Like, yeah. um, he can he, because he pulls that stuff off, and and he's able to kind of convey honest emotion in a way that's just really believable. And I, I wonder how much of that is because of this sort of persona that he's crafted as being the quote unquote nerdy guy. Yeah. You know, and it's, I think it's his part two that he's like he's supremely kind of lovable in a way because he's mm-hmm. so aloof at the same time while being like kind of euphoric. And, and we say we go back to that man baby thing. Like he's he's just like kind of can be like an adult child, but really smart and witty at the same time. So you just right. can't help but like him. Well, yeah. And then in Star Trek in particular, you know, he plays Scotty, and yeah, he was, I don't know if he anyone was awesome in that. Yeah, he's great as Scotty. He's just fun and energetic as soon as he's on screen, and he's magnetic with his per, uh, persona. And he kind of changes. Uh, that series up when he's in it and he makes it more fun. Yeah, I guess one of the things I was dancing around a little bit is like he as a leading man, he's not that handsome. Yeah, so that's not, what I was he, gonna say. He's not like Says this you. sex object, <laughs> right? Like for whatever. Well, he's really, yeah, he's but neither is neither is for, neither is Bill yeah, Murray. Yeah, but well, he's, sure. And he gets the, people were able to relate to Bill Murray too, I think, more so than that people can say relate to Tom Cruise. You know, who's right. been ch- chiseled and everything for years that he's actually feels like he's one of us. And especially with the way they write their characters, uh, you know, especially in all of these movies that they've done with Edgar Wright, but the way they write their characters, people can identify with all of them. And they all know somebody that's just like those people that are in those movies. We even have a question coming up later and ask BGH asking if we, you know, which one of the characters in this movie would we would we end up being? Because people can relate to him that easily. That's why yeah. people are drawn to him. No, and I, also, I, mean, I, I think you're right. Like it's it's literally like I guess that's sort of what I was saying. Like he's not going to get the call for leading man type roles yeah. that a Leonardo DiCaprio is going to okay. get. He's going to get the leading man roles that are supposed to be more ordinary kind of dude. Every yeah. man. But and the, I think sorry. with him, uh, go, no, ahead, go ahead. I was just I was I, just going to say I think with him partially like it really has kind of worked out for him really well because the best vehicles he's gotten in, the writing for his characters has been really good. Right, like, right. He's actually kind of lucked into some things, I think, in a way, because uh, one thing that uh, Casey and I uh, did on uh, the BGA spinoff was we did Burke and Hare, which mm-hmm. uh, both of us had 
you know, plenty of issues with and he was fine in it, but like I'm used to really loving him. Mm. And in that, the writing is clearly like a step below, you know, all the Edgar Wright movies, even Paul, even the Star Trek, the Mission Impossible movies. And it's just, he's just not as good in that movie. There's just not the same energy. So I feel like he has kind of lucked into being in good situations simultaneously while being very likable and being involved with good projects. In this film specifically, I liked that. I like this thread. This is like, and this is goes back to what Casey was saying about how well all these characters are developed, and they these threads that they begin in the these threads that they start in the beginning of the film when these guys were meeting these guys and learning who they are, that they carry through this crazy genre movie that ends up unfolding, you know, and specifically this one where he is super stubborn and he's always right and he will never admit that he's wrong, and that literally plays into the very end of the film and as it you know pops up in the middle as well. Um, though, and those are the moments that I felt really made this thing kind of special for me and really fun. Uh, I also really liked the, the, now that I think about it, it's kind of just a remake of invasion of the body snatchers. Yeah. I don't know why that didn't occur to me when I was watching it, but I mean this, like we were talking about at the top, like that is, this is the third in the trilogy with hot fuzz being the sort of cop sort of action drama point break right and then yeah Shaun of the dead and being, bad boys too well yeah yeah yeah, yeah sure and then uh i kind of want to watch being invasion of the body snatchers or sort of like sci-fi action i guess yeah yeah sure yeah, and they've said though, like the funny thing is, if you if you read anything that these guys uh, talk about with this movie, they've done a, the gobs of promotion on it, um, where they basically have said that they they really they found the story first, and like I said, uh, Wright wrote the initial draft. It was I think the movie initial draft was called like Crawl, and it was just all about the pub crawl, and then they kind of worked through this the the story, and then added the elements of the aliens in later. Whereas at one point there was even time travel involved. Hmm. So you've got you know the hot tub time thing again where this was really just the story about the friends and the sci-fi element is added uh, I think particularly considering how Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz are movies about individuality versus the collective and this one is kind of the culmination of that series where it's individuality versus collective to the nth degree I mean this is the I love too right that idea but then I love how in the end it's not just this easy kind of pat ending because the whole time I was wondering how is this going to end and really, by the by the time the film is over, it, right, it's not totally bad ending. It's not totally happy ending. It's this kind of interesting, ambiguous um, take. Because the way the whole movie is going, you think you know where what's going to happen at a certain point or how it's going to play out. And yeah. they, so they sort of play against those expectations, and I like that. Yeah. Well, that's uh, the ending for me is what makes this a good bit of speculative fiction because it's obvious they get to where you, like you said, you think they know where, where they're going to get to the end of this movie, and then they just basically they pulled the big what if, which is the core of what speculative fiction is, and so they just have they say what if, and they play with it, and it turns out pretty fun. I thought too what was neat was how the the fight choreography in this film oh, because yeah. it's a lot of like like right it's a lot of kind of uncoordinated. <laughs> not not martial artist dudes. Are you calling Nick Frost on right. You don't know him. <laughs> you know, but non-martial artist guys doing this fight and it's a lot of just like hand-to-hand combat in the movie. Yeah. And so what they did in a really interesting way and it's it's kind of hard to describe, but they basically incorporated wire foo. <laughs> yeah, like kung fu choreography and like uh f- 
the way that they filmed it is very reminiscent of kung fu action scenes but they're not really doing kung fu it's a lot of like um, like brawling right it's punching yeah. and kicking and throwing and there's yeah, a there ton was, of there were several suplexes right suplexes there there's were, a ton yeah, of like wrestling wrestling finishing moves in this film there's a rock bottom in the in the yeah, first yeah no fight. absolutely there, there a is rock bottom. but then it's filmed with in this kung fu style and with this wire work and it, it gives it a really fun kinetic feeling to it and i was actually kind of surprised because in a movie like this with that type of fighting if there's a lot of it it can get really repetitive and and boring if it's not done in an exciting way and so i was actually really i was impressed by that because yeah it's so funny you kind of are feeling like at a certain points that you're feeling that you're watching kung fu but then you really look at it and you're like no that's just, he's just punching him in the face you know what i mean it's not <laughs> yeah but it's just there it's wrapped in this kung fu aesthetic it was really a genius way to do that i thought Particularly, my my favorite is when you've got Simon Pegg in, uh, and part of the part of his thing with this entire uh, event is that he has to have one drink at every single pub, and he's in the first fight they or not the first, but the, one of the big fights they get in, uh, he's got the 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 glass in his hand the whole time in the fight, and he's trying to drink yeah. while Simon Pegg's being punched and thrown and everything like that, and he keeps losing his glass and trying to find a new one. It's just hysterical to see like the anxiety keep rolling over him every time he loses <laughs> his beer and just keeps falling out. But that I mean, there's you're right. The choreography is fantastic, and and the wire work and the special effects that they do that are practical because there's a lot of you know bodies that are dismembered and you know Lego you know popped arms popping off and stuff. Yeah, but I liked really all that good. stuff. The yeah, the effects as far as the robots being dismembered. It was, yeah, it, like it was one they're of those so things where. Dismembered. It was, well, it was also very unclear sort of like what could harm and or stop them. Yeah, basically, uh, if you touch their heads, they explode. Yeah, <laughs> but then they could just get back up and keep talking. Like, I right. loved, without getting into spoilers, I loved the one character at the very end where they show sort of the flash, uh, I guess, forward. And he, they replaced his head with like the rest of a soccer ball. Soccer ball with yeah. eyes on it. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, no, yeah. no, I did I think, love... That was, was the best. I was going to say that I loved how they uh, added in the body parts to the choreography. Yeah. 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 They can make it like a monster. Almost. Totally. They became yeah. weapons. And, that, yeah, and I mean, it's funny. I was just going to say, like, I think what Eric's describing is actually sort of the Edgar Wright calling card, if there is one. I mean, you're talking about a guy who hasn't really worked, like directed that many features. like, And for having done relatively few, um, has what I would consider a pretty well- developed uh sort of feel for his movies but it's it really is that it's it's not um it's that he is malleable from a sort of aesthetic perspective but that they they tend to have um sort of narrative elements and also um uh i want to say like the the way that he handles the editing and the and the sort of camera work has a similar feel even when they're you know using different sort of aesthetics within the film itself. You're totally right. He's got his visual calling card. I mean, he he basically and he's a, like admitted to it. He lifted the Sam Raimi, you know, snap zoom from, you know, yeah. Evil Dead 2 all the and he just takes that to the bank. I mean, everything from <laughs> Shaun of the Dead's initial, you know, going to work scene where he like it's snap zooming on every single thing in I, in the house. I will say about the fighting that especially when it first started happening, you get used to it as it goes on, but when it first started happening, I will say that I was like I feel that these guys are maybe fighting with more skill than they would have in real life. <laughs> when they when oh, they definitely. first meet the younger kid, like when the it first pops off in the bathroom of that one pub, 
uh, there's some crazy shit that goes down. And I'm like, how did he just do that? But then within 10 minutes, you're you're just excited and you're like, ah, yeah, take that robot I, and it's nuts. <laughs> uh. My feeling is that is a statement and it's not unlike what you see in Hot Fuzz or even parts of Shaun of the Dead uh, about the way that in other sci-fi movies where they're more or less just regular people, no one ever asks the question, how the hell does that guy have amazing gun skills? Or, you <laughs> yeah. know, how is he able to defend himself uh, against seemingly invincible aliens? I yeah. mean, it's he he knows that that's ridiculous, and that's part of the joke. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's ridiculous every time you see it, and you just don't worry about it. I think it's specifically, like I said, because... You know what this movie reminded me of? And this is going to sound so strange. It reminded me of Hostel. All right, that you've this, gone to a different place. Charlie, right? follow me. Charlie, <laughs> okay. me and you are going to take a walk right now, Charlie. Okay. Follow me, okay? Okay. I'm in Hostel, my, uh, Hostel is essentially two different films. The first 40 or 50 minutes is a sort of is a sex comedy with these guys going through Europe, and there's almost no touch of anything sinister. And then it, it just turns, and it turns into this whole different film kind of on a dime. And I, I just felt that way about it's such a I know that's such a weird comparison, but I think it's specifically just in that first scene where it happens because I think, I think a, a better a, a more apt comparison might be no no uh, I'm sorry Trey, that was the best possible <laughs> 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 oh, that's Eric right is clearly right um, Schnars knows where his bread is buttered. I was thinking maybe from Dust Till Dawn where they they do the first half that crime you know drama with. You know, all basically these two brothers on the run, and then all of a sudden, freaking vampire, yeah, you know, craziness. But it's just, you know, the first, yeah, the first half an hour is so believable, and then it's like, bam, kung fu moves, and it just for a second, it's a little jarring. You're like, oh, what the hell is happening? There's so much dismemberment that it really does similar with Hostel in that respect. So, that's right, it is similar to Hostel, Charlie. It really is. You know, you've got that eye scene where, you know, <laughs> Gary King's eye gets cut out and it squeezes out, you know, yellow goo. It's totally the same thing. <laughs> oh, good God. <laughs> we've, we've gone to a dark place. I want to jump back really quick to Simon Pegg because I was thinking about this while during the rest of the conversation. I think the comparison I want to make is – so in the Hot Tub Time Machine, we've, we've talked – There's I, there are a remarkable amount of similarities that – uh, I, every time I come back to it, I think of something. But uh, the the like natural comparison is the uh, what the hell's his name? The the bald crazy guy in that movie, Rob Corddry. Yeah, Rob Corddry. But the reality is that Simon Pegg is sort of the British John Cusack, right? Mm. If you if you think about the career that I'm John listening. Cusack has had at this point, and and yeah. I'm not talking about like mid '80s John Cusack where he kind of was a heartthrob, but like. Not really like he was always even you know in, in like better he was a nerd. Bed. yeah he yeah. was always the like nerdy but somehow charming guy who won out in the end holy shit could you imagine a movie with the two of them um my brain I, would explode. i can it would be amazing but um, be pretty fun. Yeah. oh i thought yeah. you were gonna tell me it already existed no, yeah, I was actually really excited. Thinking, I'm like, is that possible? It, it could. Um, but I think Simon Pegg is, it's it's that same comparison, right? Like, you know, Here's John where I'm going to disagree with you, that- though, about those two movies, is that he, Simon Pegg in this movie is Rob Corddry in Hot Tub Time Machine. Well, no, 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 that's what I'm saying. Like, the, the from a from a straight character comparison, yeah. he's obviously the Rob Corddry. I mean Simon Pegg, the a- actor, it, It's he's the John Cusack. I was trying to think of the way 
because John Cusack's the same thing, right? Like he's a he's a good leading man because he's actually a good and believable, relatable actor, not because he's hunky, like ripped, sure, sure, you know, yeah. action star. He's got humanity about him. Yeah, yeah. Hot Tub Time Machine is like probably no, it is in my top five comedies. <laughs> oh yeah, it might be in my I've top two. I've only seen it once. I saw it at the theater with the wife, and uh, I, the only jokes I remember are the ones that involve Crispin Glover at this point. But it's not even about. Yeah, I mean, it's it is an incredibly <laughs> funny film. But for the same reason why I like this, I actually think for as silly and ridiculous as it is, there's a poignant core to that film, and which is really interesting because of how over the top and crazy it is. Hot Tub Time Machine. Um, and that, and that's just like what really kept me coming back to it. And it also is, it's like the anti, it's a wonderful life in a way, mm-hmm. man, I'm full of awesome references right now. It is yeah, hot tub time machine is subversive in the sense that Mo, your, your classic traditional time travel movie or your, or your sort of look into the future and pat, you know, like, uh, like an, it's a wonderful life. The message is always that your life the way it is now is the way it should be, and you should be thankful for what you have, blah, blah, blah. But the the ultimate message in Hot Tub Time Machine is, fuck that. We fucked up, and we're going to fix life right now, and we don't give a shit if it affects anybody else. It's actually, again, another message very um, indicative of our generation, of like uh, our needs and wants are more important than anybody else's. Um, I have lo- I have long desired to write an entire thesis on a hot tub time machine. So <laughs> if anybody ever happens to run into me at a horror on weekend and wants to to talk business here, dude, I say just write the thesis. We'll <laughs> just put it on away. the website. We we have yeah. a website for these types. It's of things. the film of our generation, is all I'm saying. <laughs> so we've talked ad nauseum a little bit about uh, Simon Pegg for good reason because he's awesome. Uh, who else did you guys like? I mean, I-, I love everybody in this film, but is there anybody that stood out to you guys in particular from the rest of the quartet? I thought Nick Frost was fantastic because we always, mm. especially in these movies, he's always kind of the bumbling sidekick kind of character. It but was then, cool to see him, yeah, play against Yeah, type. in this movie, he was put together. He was the strict and serious one for a while, for the beginning of it and whatnot. But then it was kind of cool because we had this big uh, climax where all of a sudden you could literally mark it where he slammed his fist down, where in his case he was slamming the shot glasses up, and then all of a sudden he changed into the Nick Frost we all love and know. So Yeah, I yeah. like the little nerdy guy with the glasses. Yeah. Uh, and may, wait, I just like his... the car salesman? Yeah. No, the yeah. real estate... Yes, the car salesman. I'm sorry, yes. Well, yeah. The, real the, the, kid, the guy who got bullied. Not... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he, he, he kind of stole it from me, too. He was fun, I mean, yeah. He stood yeah. out to me. He was the only one that I didn't really recognize. I didn't either. Yeah. I didn't recognize any of these guys. Oh, well. Oh, uh, man. What's his <laughs> name? I, I, no, I recognized. Martin Pe- you know. Freeman's in Martin all Freeman's the Hobbit. Hobbits. Yeah. yeah. Oh, how many, of those, in... how many of those have I seen? Oh, that's right. That's fair. fair point. He uh, was, um, wasn't he also the main character in oh, okay. uh, I've seen Hitchhiker's him. Guide? No, I've seen him in promotional stuff yeah. now. Yeah, now he, I... was in, uh, he was Watson in Sherlock, too. Yeah, he's in Sherlock also, yep. yeah. Uh, uh, a little film called Love Actually, gentlemen. Nope. Oh, yeah, he's in Love Actually. Stop. The greatest love story yeah. of our time. Yeah. You, have, you have yet to find a single movie that I've seen him in. <laughs> yeah, stuff. Uh, and uh, Patty Considine is in uh, Hot Fuzz, which Eric also hasn't seen. I'm going to see uh, that, though, actually. I'm, exci- I'm excited yeah, to check it out watch now. It, man. It's have so to, good. have to, yeah. it's Honestly, it's my favorite of the three, so it's... Yeah, like, it's I my favorite. Too. I like the idea of them sort of being a, an unofficial trilogy also. I think that's fun. And it just kind of happened, too. Like, if, like, they basically made the first movie 
and they put a Cornetto in it because they like Cornetto. And then when they got to the when they had the premiere for the movie, Cornetto provided them with free ice cream out of, you know, thanks for putting us in the movie. And so they decided, well, let's put another Cornetto in the second movie. Hmm. And then it just kind of accidentally became because they wanted and then they made it about the same kind of subject matter with the, again, individuality versus collective. And so then it just kind of happened. I and, would like to see the Internet's right up on how all of these films are in the same universe if somebody could point me in that direction because yeah, i'm, I'm sure, sure that it exists yeah. yeah i do i tried looking for that before and before <laughs> and i don't know that it's that they necessarily think it exists in the same uh in the same universe but you will see a whole lot of theories on how they match the color palettes to the films to the flavor of cornetto they're going for hmm. Yeah, I just wish that the uh, the aliens like kind of mouth glow had been green instead of the blue because it's like they try and push green because they use I think it was the, like the was it the mint cornetto for the for this one for the world's end and hmm. like it instead like they they could I mean it's just a little tweak but you could just made the mouth of it so glow green. So I may it. be um, tripping as the kids say, but <laughs> I swear that I heard in the, when the first big uh, fight scene pops off towards like the beginning of the third act where it's like the full on bar brawl, the first big fight that happens with uh, I, Pierce Brosnan with Pierce Brosnan. Yeah. I swear in the beginning when that the music cranks up and there's this track underneath and it's like a hip hop track and there's a guy rapping and I swear for the first minute or so, there is a sample from the main theme to Reanimator, but sped up. I would wow. not be surprised because like, I swear da, da, to God, da, 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 da. you know, it's like that kind of psycho esque thing that they did in Reanimator. I wouldn't be surprised because I swear in Hot Fuzz that they had samples of the Godzilla roar when uh, Simon Pegg and oh uh, yeah, uh, what's his name, Timothy Dalton had the big fight in the in the uh, miniature city. I swear to God, there was Godzilla roars in the back, sampled in the back. Oh, there of is. That. No, there is. Yeah, yeah, that that's that's exactly in there. So it yeah. could be it could be possible. So that, I thought. That yeah, was Eric, neat. I was gonna say the 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 whole soundtrack to this is listed on um, is listed on Wikipedia. You could just find the song. I think. Uh, I don't that know. sounds like work. I'd rather just say it as fact and then not look it up. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Let's do that. Okay. Yeah, well, I, I just did so. <laughs> These movies are just full of, like, not necessarily Easter eggs, but just layers of kind of extra content that you can sift through. And that's what makes them so much fun, too, for me, because they're eminently rewatchable. You can, like, always find something else to, that's about the movie that's, you know, interesting or new and different. And, like, I mean, that's why just you can watch Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, World's End anytime, and they're just engaging and fun. I think that's a great place to end it, you guys. What do you think? Show. I think what you think. Yes. Okay, Casey, that's right, Charlie. You do think what I think. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, Casey, would you recommend somebody watch this? I uh, definitely. I I would definitely too late to see in the theater. I guess. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> I, I would say it's it's safe for a blind buy, especially if you like the first two. Just go buy it. Don't even worry about it. Uh, definitely worth a uh, Redbox rental. I just wanted to add in there too, just for the last bit of the conversation, that, that moment towards the end. When Simon Pegg started talking about that uh, this was supposed to be – that was the best night of our lives and it was supposed to get better and it never did. That really uh, got me right in the feels. Dude, all the feels. That was the, that was rough because, yeah. you know, I think everybody has that moment, especially when you get towards my age, 40, you know, when you're pushing 40 and stuff, you have that moment where you have self-doubts and you think it was supposed to be different and it's it was just boom right there. Dude, I don't know if it's just getting older or what, but I feel like that happens to me more often now at movies where something happens and I'm just like, God damn it. 
you yeah. you have a, a broader base of emotions and experiences that's to true. relate to. That's true. Thank you, Professor Schnorris. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, what did you think? Do you recommend somebody watch this? Oh, big time. Big time recommend. Big time. Big time. Big time. All right, fantastic. Thank you, guys. Let's take a quick break and do some fan mail. The dark is their place. The night is their time. And tomorrow, the only things living in the city of New York will be Chud. Chud. Cannibalistic, humanoid, underground dwellers. Chud. They're not staying down there anymore. If you like a certain host of the show and want to see more of us on Twitter, check us out at Eric BGH, Mark BGH, Casey BGH, Beer and Joe spelled out. And just to annoy him, follow Schnars. It's S-C-H-N-5-A's-R-S. And make sure to at reply him just to ruin his day. Greetings, gentle folk. This is James Duval from Donnie Darko, May, and Sushi Girl. And you are listening to BloodyGoodHorror.com. All right. Who is in charge of Ask BGH tonight in Mark's stead? I'll do it. Okay. I was going to say, I thought Casey was monitoring. So. Casey, I have. I just wanted to check. I have one here from RJ and C from December 1st. Do you have that one? I do not. I think that one fell off. Okay, cool. Well, I, I pulled it then. I will read it. <clears throat> he just says, uh, at RJ and C on Twitter, says, don't you guys find it odd that Eric BGH, that's me on Twitter, uh, don't you guys find it odd that Eric BGH keeps moving? It's almost like the police keep getting too close. <laughs> I kind of like that tweet because it tells a story. You could sort of picture yeah. a movie in your head. You're Heisenberg. Uh, right. You're actually... <laughs> he was also, he sounded worried about me uh, on the show. I can't believe Joe's not here again to make fun of me about living in my mom's attic uh, and recording from her basement. So, uh, But happy to report that my wife and I are looking at houses and... Uh, we're hoping that process might expedite itself quickly. So we'll see what happens. Um, but just again, I did go back and check that I wanted to make sure I had reiterated that I wasn't like down and out on my luck. <laughs> <laughs> and I went like back and listened to him. I'm like, so no, I made that clear. So I think he might have just been breaking my balls. He's trying to say he's not the Gary King of the Bloody Good Horror podcast. Right. Uh, Brian from North Carolina. You guys know him. Off topic. Oh, you know what? This is a Magic the Gathering question. Can any of you guys answer this? <laughs> Probably not. Save it for Mark. Oh, okay. Actually, sorry. Uh, wait. Unless it's about like the original. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. This is uh, related related to that. Uh, have any of you tried playing any of the LCG or deck building games like Netrunner, A Game of Thrones, or Dominion? I don't know a single word you just no. said, so no. Uh, someone tried to get me to play the Game of Thrones game, but I don't like learning new things, so I did not play. Yeah. I co-signed that, yeah. Right. Brian, North Carolina. Sorry, buddy. Ask ask that one again in a different form when Mark's back next week. I'm sure he'll have an answer. <laughs> um, BGH Crew, the podcast is great as ever. Here is some feedback. This is from... Oh, why do I always do that? Stand by. I don't like to read the emails unless I can tell who they're from because I feel like that really does a disservice to that person who took time to write. You know? 
I mean, okay. is the email no. not signed? I am just filling time right now. Dustin. Ah, Dustin. Good old Dustin. Good old Dustin. Number one, I loved the recent classic arcade talk in a recent episode. Um, that brought back memories of all the quarters I pumped into light gun horror games, such mm. as House of the Dead, Carnival. I've never even heard of that oh, one. Oh, Carnival. Yeah, Carn- I have never heard of that one either, <laughs> yeah. but it sounds amazing. And my one try at Evil Knight, Konami's attempt at the genre. It was notable for being three-player with a choice between two pistols or a shotgun. Eric's ears perked up at that, I'm sure. There was some problem with the guns working, as I recall. Does anyone have any similar memories with arcade horror games? I mean, um, wasn't there always a problem with the guns working? Wasn't that yeah. of the game yeah. itself? Yeah. I'm fucking terrible. I like gun games and arcades. I always look at them and think, that'll be fun. And then I start playing and I'm like, this isn't fun. Yeah, so They're every, usually terrible. I was more, for me in the arcade, it was all about Mortal Kombat, the original Mortal Kombat or when Mortal Kombat 2 came out. Or, you know, like the, the Turtles game. I think we probably talked oh, about this. Yeah, Turtles in Time is... Yeah, Turtles in Time is a classic. Yeah. That's amazing. This is all related, though, because if I do get a house, the number one thing that I'm doing is buying an arcade machine, so... <laughs> the, uh, I used to play... I played some Carnival in the arcade before. That's been a long time, but we used to play... Pump a lot of quarters in the House of the Dead because I had a buddy that we... We had a... Uh, it was owned by Blockbuster. It was called Block Party. That was fairly close to work. So on Fridays we'd go down there and play games. But we uh, double team on House of the Dead. We played all through, all the way through House of the Dead one and two. That was good times, especially if you have somebody you can, uh, somebody that's got your back. Now that you it, can rely on. yeah, it would be awesome if you could get like a light gun game. You know, if you could buy one now and just put it on free play, because then you wouldn't have to worry about putting. I'm sure in. you could buy one of those. Oh things. yeah. Oh yeah! Oh, you can find arcade machines. You know where there's. If you live on the West Coast in California, um, because of how big the arcade craze was out there, it's actually pretty, pretty easy to get them and fairly cheap. Yeah. Um, but you like you never want to go on eBay or anything because they're always way overpriced. You know your best bet I've I've heard is because uh, like in California they have conventions sometimes too where people will bring theirs. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a convention called um, California Extreme, but yeah it's just you got to do a lot of kind of searching to find a good deal and then the biggest problem they have is that the monitors are these huge really heavy uh crt monitors that have a tendency of dying and they don't make those monitors anymore so your only chance choice is to either fix it yourself or try to find another one and install it yeah you'll see a lot of stuff you'll see a lot of uh machines that are broken down being sold for parts because because people cannibalize them to so I'm really, yeah, I'm really fascinated by that stuff because I'm really into the last few years I've gotten really, I, I went all digital and then I had this kind of hard shift back to physical media. I'm just kind of, I really like the permanence of physical media. And I think that it's a thing that is going to disappear in society and future generations won't understand it. And arcade games are a perfect example because those games that were made in the eighties and nineties are only going to last so long. And even though you can dump the ROMs, no one is ever going to have those experiences again once those machines are gone. Eric, so, do you want me to stay off of your lawn, or are we good? <laughs> Look, where we I are wasn't. Right I wasn't mad. I wasn't upset. I'm just. <laughs> I'm just. Hey, Eric, I gotta get Eric that in. Eric gets all into, you know, talking about his retro games and his, you know, classic arcade games, stuff like that. But as soon as I mentioned my love of pinball machines, I get crickets. That's cool. But I'd put pinball. If I had my choice of a pinball machine or an arcade machine, I would definitely get a pinball. Oh, yeah. Probably T2 or perhaps I think Ghostbusters. T2. Classic. T2 would be good, but mine would be Adam's fan. Schnorr's, if it's still there, there was a great pinball documentary on uh, 
Netflix. Nice. I will investigate. Yeah, it's yeah, called it's cool. called uh, Special When Lit. Oh, you know what? I think I read about that. It's pretty good. Mm. All right, he has more thoughts. Number two, this is a question for Joe, but Chinars, you can answer this. Uh, can an oyster stout possibly be good? <laughs> so I am not partial to them. Um, I and I completely understand the question because. You just hear about an oyster stout, and you're like, "That sounds fucking foul." Um, but people love them. I don't know. Yeah, I could dig it. Are... I could. Well, I can't say that I could dig it because I've never had one. But I am a fan of Clamato juice, so I could see it working. I try to stay away <laughs> from bottom feeders. <laughs> just, yeah, just yeah, no, seem, I hear that. Doesn't seem right. Clamato juice makes the best Bloody Marys. So, <laughs> uh, number three, I think I have a Chenard's look-alike that kind of slipped under the radar, and. Another Captain America co-star. So for those keeping track at home, Sebastian Stan, the Winter Soldier himself, looks exactly like one Mr. John Schnars. Uh, I, that was my own ad- addition yeah, that, there. that was an Eric. In fact, after seeing the BGH t-shirt selfie that Schnars posted, I would say this person might be the closest, even if it is a woman. <laughs> Stop it. All right, hold on. I actually, Stop for it. the record, I don't think this looks like you. Her name is Natalie Dormer. Wait, no. let me look at it again, though, just to confirm. You can't do that. I'm attracted to her. That's not fair. <laughs> <laughs> Too late. It. Good luck you with that one. It. Oh, yeah, she uh, was in... Good luck. Charlie, yeah, good luck with your confusing boners. Whoa, hold on. She's in... Uh, you realize she's in Captain America, too, so that's a Schnars time cop situation. If that's, <laughs> no, like, that's what he's saying. Yeah, Schnars. Yeah. I don't really see it. She's quite She's quite airy and looking, which may be what's throwing him off, but can't force it man but i i respect the uh the effort though i do like the idea of schnars being in game of thrones i'm pretty close to thinking he might be joffrey in a certain respect <laughs> oh, oh my god it's actually pretty close actually. holy <laughs> shit uh, he's rich See? you know he hates the poor you know there's a lot of situations <laughs> going on right there yeah he's a bl- uh, little, right. little blonde yeah, kid you know right. sorry schnars yeah. um yeah, anyway, he just goes on to say she's topless in Game of Thrones, or to put it another way, she's in Game of Thrones. <laughs> yeah, I think everybody's topless in Game yeah. of Thrones. Um, that'll do it for now. P.S. I just had a delicious brownie porter from the Horny Goat Brewing Company out of Milwaukee. Get Andy and or Joe to give their opinion sometime if they have one. Neither is on the show right now, but that sounds delicious. It does. It does. I like a good porter. All right, next up, Greg says, I was lucky enough to catch Ravenous in the theater. Did we talk about Ravenous last show? I don't remember. Uh, I, I mean, I was not on a show where we talked about it, but we I think we've talked about it in the um, past. He says, I loved it, but all the normies I was with claimed it sucked, which I took as a sign uh, to further validate that it's gr- it's great. When it was released on DVD, I rewatched and confirmed its awesomeness. It's a great movie that is criminally unknown. I'd love to hear your opinions on it. I've never heard it discussed in depth on any of your shows. You know, now that you say that, I really like. I I really enjoyed Ravenous. I think I've only seen it once, but like, I don't know why I, that's not something that's more of a cult classic kind of thing. I don't think I, I don't even know if I, it's on Netflix or anything like that. But it's a really good movie. I think it has it's uh, has a very strong uh, you know sort of contingent. Uh, but you're right. It's not. It's certainly not sort of recognized in the general horror canon. Part of me wonders if it's not. Um, it's a little on the sort of like indie side, you yeah. know, which is, I actually really like that movie too. I think we have talked about it just never in depth. We could do, I mean, that could be like a, 
you know, a, um, sounds like a movie I wouldn't watch unless you guys decided we were doing it for the show. No, Eric, you, I think you would really, really yeah. like it. It has a lot of really interesting history stuff in it. And then it's basically a vampire movie, but well, why don't, like, I mean, if anyone is, why, why doesn't somebody throw it on the list? Cause I'm sure this, will yeah, no, we, we filler. absolutely should. All right. Casey, I'm putting you in charge of that. All right. All right. Uh, that's it. Oh no, sorry. That's not it. One more email. Uh, this is another quick Dustin one. He says, I heard the reference in an episode from earlier in the year to the NES game with the weird art on the cartridge that you saw at a store. Um, so this was like this, you guys remember this? I posted, um, it was like a creepy woman and it was like, that's what the cartridge was on the, the Nintendo cartridge. I don't remember it, uh, but Click on I, it. cause I'm I brought it up on the show because I saw it at a store right? and I Instagrammed it cause I was like, what the oh, hell is God. this? And should I buy it? Um, that's clearly a copy of like the Nintendo version of the ring. Yeah. Well, so what it came out to be was, um, let's see. Uh, I, well, I'll show you the rest of his email then I'll, then I'll say this is, uh, I went and looked and was a little disappointed that the mystery was solved. I have been trying to plot a novel about a haunted video game for over a year. So the fact that it wasn't an ongoing mystery was a little disappointing. Uh, the art though was funny. So what it turned out was, and this is even scarier, it is a, are you guys familiar with, I, mean, I know Casey is, but like chiptunes artists. These are people who, who compose music entirely using hardware that was available to compose music for like Nintendo or Super Nintendo. I no no idea. I've okay. never heard of it. So no. they make, they make eight or 16 bit music basically. Okay. Like the, but they, but it's modern music that they're making. So this cartridge is like literally an album it's like 20 minutes of music or 30 minutes of music that this guy made put on cart in a cartridge and sells for like 30 dollars whoa but the, are these like the folks who still use uh, mario paint to make music yep <laughs> i mean there are le- like legit people who are super super serious about making music this way and some people actually do shows because yeah, a lot no, of it's no, tied in with electronic music and yeah. stuff like that uh but i thought that was really interesting i just wish it wasn't as expensive because honestly if it was ten dollars i totally would have bought it just to have it in my collection but i could i just i couldn't look my wife in the eyes and tell her that i spent 30 dollars on it <laughs> we couldn't we couldn't buy that house honey yeah. because i had to buy this weed. you know every man has his lines and i found mine that day yeah. so that's fair if you want to hit me up uh us up on email it's info at bloodygoodhorror.com we're also on twitter uh at bg horror and hashtag ask bgh is the way to send us questions during the week to guarantee that we will see them uh casey yes. what are the peeps saying on twitter all righty. Uh, first off, we have from our friend Alan, at Alan Merch. How many of the world's ends, or how, I'm sorry, how much of the world's ends music had you heard before? I don't imagine much of it made it out of the UK back in the 90s, but it's good stuff. Some of the 90s-esque music I was familiar with, like with the Soup Dragons, uh, I do remember from those days myself. Yeah, I didn't recognize any of it. Yeah, I have a couple Teenage Fan Club albums. That's yeah. Like- that was the probably the artist that I was most familiar with. Look but at you guys, a lot culture. of them I had I had heard a lot of the songs. I would not have been able to tell you who the uh, artist was all the time though. Yeah. So. I do still have some of my mixtapes from the '90s though. I don't have anything left to play them in, but I do still have some of the tapes. 
Send him to Eric. He'll fucking digitize it or undigitize it. <laughs> no, <laughs> undigitize it. Yeah, I'll listen to it on my Walkman is what I'll do. Mm. All right. Oh. Up next from at the Horror Guru. He asks, if you were all cast members in The World's End, which roles would you each play? I think I'm clearly tiny nerdy guy. <laughs> Mark and I both. I don't know. I think because you're not you're not under your your parents' thumb. I feel like you're you might be closer to. Uh, uh, well, I don't know. You are married, so there's that. So there's, were you going to be closer to the real estate guy? Oh man. Yeah. Was, yeah. I think you're more real estate. Uh, more real estate guy, but you're wearing a few hats there. True. Yeah. Could I be Pierce Brosnan? Is that <laughs> yes? You can actually. <laughs> nice. He is yours. I, I like to think that Joe is the crazy the, uh, guy. guy. Joe's the crazy guy at the bar with the curly straw. With the curly straw, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, dude, that guy just died. What's his name? Oh, yeah. really? He's the Did best. He die? Yeah, David Bradley. Didn't he just die? I don't think. I don't know. Oh, uh, maybe not. Maybe I'm. Th- maybe I'm getting him confused. It looks like he's still alive. I retract it. He's still uh, going strong. It looks like. Nah, just stick with it. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, I only know him as Filch from Harry Potter. So. The yeah, name is about it. Well, he's in Game of Thrones, isn't he? He's the, he's all yeah, he god. Yeah, this is he the is, Game of Thrones. Whenever, side anybody, show. whenever anybody asks, "What's that guy's name?" Oh, that's Filch. That's all I can. No, well, the, the 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 joke of Game about Game of Thrones is I, I it was a hunt. It was an onion headline that someone uh, sent me, and it was like. You know, Game of Thrones producers worry they're running out of old British actors. <laughs> Is, uh, you know, they really have like run through. If you've seen a British character actor in the last ten years in a movie, they've probably been on Game of Thrones. Yeah, dude, that's after so being f- on Harry Potter, fucking good. <laughs> uh, up next from at Big Texas Stan, I think this one is aimed directly at Schnars. How badly is Texas A&M going to beat Duke in the Chick Fil A Bowl? <laughs> the Chick Fil A Bowl, huh? Yeah, I mean, that sounds listen, like the most Midwestern thing I've ever heard. Well, it's it's uh, they play it in Charlotte, which is why Duke got uh, selected. Um, they're gonna lose. It will be my guess. I don't know what the line is. I haven't looked. Um, it'll really just come down to if they can get a couple turnovers and and maybe they'll have a chance. Uh, it's but I will say <laughs> it has been a dream season. Uh, because we <laughs> oh, have never had you. a good football team ever, and I yeah. will take it. You're going to need to kill Manziel just to be able to get the ball moving because, I mean, your offense is not going to keep up purely. Um, no, that's the thing. I think our offense can keep up. Our, we, really? Our offense is – yeah, our, we we scored like an average of 35 points a game this year. Yeah, so. but when you play a big defense, so. The boner <laughs> that that Godzilla trailer gave me is now gone. <laughs> Deal with it. Um, <laughs> next question. Yeah, John, you guys, you get to host uh, my team for the Pinstripe Bowl. Wait, wait, oh, a, yeah, Notre Dame Rutgers. Yeah, I, I did see that. I'm not even looking forward to watching that. So you know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, up next from at the Dirty Deke, if the world was ending and you could only drink one more beer, what would you choose? Hmm. Uh, uh, Mine would be Sweet Action Cream Ale, which I've talked about on the show, and is it's my go-to. Mine would be Chimay Red. I might go seasonal with the Southern Tier Pumpkin. Nice. I'd go with the uh, New Holland Brewery's Dragon's Milk. Hmm. Charlie, pumpkin beer, that's a bold choice, my friend. Yeah, you know, it, it has a lot of good uh, memories. Hey, so. it's the last one, man. You got to go with exactly. what makes you happy. Exactly. <laughs> you know, you know it's, fucking it's, around. 
I mean, it's either that or Bud Light, because I've had a lot of great memories to Bud Light. So, I mean, there's <laughs> that was a joke. <laughs> was, I'm not really going to drink a Bud Light last, but, you know, see that, I might, might as well kill myself first. <laughs> Chimay is great, but you basically have to take out a loan to be able to afford it more yeah. than, like, once a week. <laughs> I'd like to refinance while I order the Chimay. <laughs> They just uh, come with a, a financial advisors just with each order. <laughs> uh, Joe would be right there for it, though. He'd, you know, triple finance that one. That's right. It's worth uh, let's it. see. From at uh, EWS1, we'll pronounce it that way. Would you ever do an episode on the Poughkeepsie tapes or have you done it already? And also. We did it, y'all. Yes, we did. I don't remember the episode number, though, but if you dig through the classics, you'll find it out there. That's where we all together learned what lunars are. Yeah. Yes. Is that special still not moment? On DVD? I don't like, know. Because no, all the Boys Love Andy Lane came out on DVD, and that was like a benchmark for no. things that have been undercover. If it is, it was only recently, but I actually... Somebody, somebody go check. It's episode 144. There you go. Uh, podcast yeah god we're on 274 that was a long ass time ago yeah yeah this is a two-part question though you also ask who wins jason versus darth vader shin i'm gonna have to go with darth vader lightsabers yeah because he could right that's a good point he could chop him up i was thinking more he could like force lift him and then throw him into space yeah, yeah he could trap him yeah because he's in space oh so. he's got the freezing carbonite that's a good Ooh, one. I do like that, though. I do like that a lot. I like to think, though, that Darth Vader would take control of Jason and use him for his Ooh, dastardly deeds. That's good. Can you see Jason in the little Imperial officer uh, uniform with the little hat and <laughs> black jacket? Or imagine if Jason got a hold of a lightsaber. No, I like to picture him <laughs> in one of those tiny little fighters, but like not really knowing what he's doing. Just trying to drive, just constantly. He's yeah. like Austin Powers. He's trying to back out of a spot. There's a there's a reverse question for the nerds listening. What would Jason's th- Sith lightsaber look like? Good question. You know, Darth Maul's got the double bladed one. What would Jason's be? Hmm. I picture it as having like five points that he just like swings around. Light machetes. Light machete. Light I like machete. that. I like the light machete. All right, and finally, we have at Flashing Them TDs. How big of a hard-on does Eric have for the upcoming I, Frankenstein movie? Now, <laughs> super big. Yeah. Thanks to these yeah, guys right it's, here. He's at half mass now, for sure. I am, I am sure, now that I think about it, I am sure that I saw a trailer for this and lost my shit, and then it completely left my brain afterwards. Yeah. I want you to watch the, the trailer for I, Frankenstein and Seventh Son back-to-back after this. And just you're gonna just go crazy for both of them. But I that's think, the cause... beauty of these movies, right? And Charlie's Charlie's with me on this one. Yep. Uh, these Resident Evil movies, these underworld movies, these fucking Frankenstein army robot whatever movies. Hansel and Gretel. They're they're <laughs> dumb and they're entertaining. They're dumb and they're entertaining. But when they're over, they just kind of blissfully slide away yeah. into yeah. the background, and you go on with your life. You don't have to sit. It's not like The World's End, where it's really fun. And like poignant, and then it's over, and you just start thinking about your life, and you're like, God damn it. It's not, <laughs> see, so I think that not every movie should be like that, but I believe that there is something of worth in that experience. It's even better than junk food, because like if you eat a cheeseburger, it's gonna hang around with you for a week or two. My pants or still fit. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But this, I'm you actually, know, it's uh, in pre- and out. I'm pretty stoked for Seventh Son, so, because. Uh, 
my daughter and I read all the books, so I'm pretty oh, excited. Great. Giant bears fighting Julianne Moore and Jeff Bridges. I mean, come what? on. That's- and I mean, Jeff Bridges. It's obvious Jeff Bridges went straight from the costume department at Seventh <laughs> Son straight to Ripped, or vice versa. One of the two. Yeah. Um, oh, totally. According yeah. to Wikipedia. There is, as of 2013, uh, a DVD of Poughkeepsie Tapes is not available, and there are no plans to release one. That flick is Dude, good, though. It's one of the few. It's one of the few ones that I will straight up just tell you guys: figure out how to get movies from the internet and get that movie because it is worth watching. It really Iron is. Movie and if they're not going to release it, fuck them. <laughs> well, there you go. And that's it for uh, SBGH. All right. Thank you, Casey. You're welcome, Eric. What are we doing next week? Is there a movie or what? I don't there know. is a movie. Um, no, we're doing Ripped, you jackasses. Oh, oh shit. God. I shouldn't even have said anything. Time to get business. I'm going to be doing crunches no. all week in preparation. <laughs> I'm going to dress up like a small Asian man. <laughs> I think the schedule for the next two episodes then is that we're going to be doing Ripped next. Then we'll be following it up with our uh, best of show, won't we? Yep. Exactly. Sure. Talk about ripped. Right, exactly. <laughs> it's good timing because my Ryan Reynolds beefcake poster just came in the mail. So beefcake. Let's do this. All right, guys. Next week is ripped. If you want to get back episodes of the show, including the Poughkeepsie tapes, you can go to podcast.bloodygoodhorror.com. Easy checkout process. They're 99 cents a piece. All that money goes right back into making the show happen. Also, if you want to check out our awesome new t-shirts uh, with... One might say a burning influence, also a silhouette of John Schnars in a suit smoking a cigarette. Uh, if you want those, you can get those at bit.ly slash BGH t-shirt, just the letter T. Um, and that's it. So hope you enjoyed the show, and we'll talk to you next week. Adios. Let's boo-boo. Bye-bye. <laughs>